be warned prior to entry. Filming feelings may contain spoilers to any of the films listed in the description. Please check before you proceed. Thank you very much. Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to another episode of Filmic Feelings. Yeah! Oh, goodness. You, you got to... Something's going on with the yeehaws. It's called puberty, mate. Oh, right, okay. Yeehaw! Do you need me to step in there as, as the mature voice of this podcast? <laughs> no, thank you. Yeehaw! Damn it! <laughs> Why does puberty have to happen now? It's a great question. And not one that we're going to answer in this show. Although we will be talking about young adult fantasy, which kind of fits into the whole kind of puberty narrative. Um, but we will particularly be looking at the Hunger Games series. Uh, now, Cooper, which one of us would you like to explain the kind of the the, the Hunger Games series generally? Do you well, want to give it a crack? Well, I think you know a tiny bit more about it. So why don't you explain it? And if I have anything, I'll jump in. Great. I love the sound of you interjecting small fun facts in the middle of this. So The Hunger Games is set in a future dystopian society wherein there has been a, a large-scale war on the continent of Pan Am. Already we've got to jump in. Yes, and I can say this. I don't know whether you were getting up to this point. The world has been split into districts. I was literally about to say it. <laughs> yes! As Cooper has so helpfully butted in. You wanted are, me to. There are 12 districts or maybe more. But in the first film, there are 12 districts which fall under the control of the capital, uh, which is the... Uh, the central uh, ruling seat of government and the government is, of course, ruled by President Coriolanus Snow, which is not the same name Cooper uses. Cooper, what do you call Donald Sutherland's character in this film? <laughs> We're getting into this? Yes, we may as well. Jon Snow. Now, to, to contextualise, Cooper has... Never seen Game of Thrones. Nope. Could not point out Jon Snow in a lineup of Game of Thrones characters. Nope. Uh, maybe. Unlikely. I might get one up just to, you know what? Why not? Let's take, <laughs> let's take this show off the rails immediately. <laughs> it's the speak way, bruv way. Game of Thrones characters. Are we betting on this? I don't need to bet on this. One of these characters is Jon Snow. Which one is it? Well, I can eliminate three people already. Well, that would be very sexist <laughs> of you. So maybe don't do that. Is it the guy with the big beard? This guy? Yeah. Incorrect. I it's did. the other man on the screen. Damn. So the one that Cooper pointed to was Peter Dinklage's character, of course, Tyrion Lannister. I think he'd be good as Jon Snow. I don't know who Jon Snow is in Game of Thrones. So. Yeah, you have no idea what you're talking about. You so we're talk gonna... about him constantly. So, Ironically, you know. you're going to see this this man, Peter Dinklage. He has a name. Uh, today, when the new Hunger Games film comes out, because he's in it. 
but we'll talk about oh him later. I, I thought you were about to say he's coming to our house and I went, He's what? coming to our house. We're doing an episode with him. We are. Stay it's, tuned for the next main channel episode. It's late at night, but we've got Peter Dinklage coming by. Yes, it's actually early hours of the morning at this stage. Uh, for Peter and I, it's going to be a wine hour. For you, uh, you're probably going to whine about us drinking wine. <laughs> That'll probably be for how me, it goes. For me, it's going to be coffee hour. Right, okay. To keep you awake. Mm. So, yes, the the capital is ruled over by the artist formerly known as Jon Snow, uh, but consistently known as President Coriolanus Snow. And the whole conceit of the district system and the whole way that the populace is kept under control is that every year all of the young people in each district between the ages of 12 and 18 are put into this death lottery is basically what it is where their names are pulled out of uh, like jars. Basically their names are pulled out of a lottery and they are uh, nominated as tributes uh, who then will have to go to the capital and compete in the hunger games, which is a battle Royale, which means that it's everyone against everyone last Man or woman standing wins. Uh, and our main character is Katniss, Katniss Everdeen. And she is is not really in fear of the Hunger Games, I think, at this point in her life. She's about 17, I think, by the time we start the story. But the problem is, is that her sister Primrose uh, is 12 and is now of age to be in the Hunger Games and uh, Prim's name is called out. And so Katniss, wanting to protect her sister, volunteers as tribute. See, uh, along with someone who doesn't volunteer as tribute and who is just <laughs> existing. We'll get, it's about the nicest thing I can say about him, Peter Malark. We'll, we'll get to that. And can I just say, you go, you go in hard with not just Peter but also... Katniss, and can I just say mm. one thing I'll say about her? She's very protective of her sister. Yes, it is really her her main defining character trait in the initial off like offset of the film is Katniss is protective of her sister and quite dismissive of her mother because her mother's kind of become this shambling wreck since their father died number of years before the events of the film. Um, Katniss is also BFFs and occasional kiss buddies with uh, Gail, the most attractive man to <laughs> go down into a coal mine and come out with perfectly quaffed hair. <laughs> um, That's what we call music. Music? <laughs> I can't what are say. you saying? Movie magic. Oh, yes, movie magic. You, the, the very idea that somebody can live in District 12 and look like a Hemsworth brother is frankly offensive to the rest of the population. Um, but, you know, what can you do? Uh, he's a very attractive man. And then there's Peter. I'm kidding. Josh Hutchison, also a very attractive man. And Jennifer Lawrence, a very attractive woman. It's just kind of... I think that there's a nice little window when you're a a young person in the Hunger Games 
where between that age of 12 and 18, you are the most attractive you can possibly be in this society. Until you've got an arrow I mean, in your head. Because, I mean, everyone else is... I don't want to say everyone else is uggo. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess I'm saying it. Everyone else oh. is kind of uggo. Oh, you know, people you are going to get so triggered. You got... <laughs> at least in, in the districts, anyway. I've gone completely off the rails and yeah, I don't know what show, I'm doing. This show's um, completely off the rails. Maybe you and... What was his name again from the cast list? Of the Game of Thrones thing? The Peter Dinklage. Maybe you and him have already had something for your wine. Maybe. Already. Maybe you've already had some before he arrives. Cause Possibly. I'm, I'm pre-gaming for our Peter Dinklage interview. We're not actually doing an interview with Peter Dinklage. I'd no, like we're not. Um, if only. But Peter, if you'd like to come on. If you'd like to come on the show, let us know. But, you know, you have this very interesting difference between how life is in the districts versus how it is in the capital. Because, you know, you look at the people from the capital, you've got Effie, who's played by Elizabeth Banks. And, oh, my goodness, is she a bit overdressed. Especially in the first film. She has no eyebrows for the majority of the film um, and bright pink hair and a stark white face. And it's a lot. It's what you look like right now behind camera. How dare you? No, please. I look like Hamish Abernathy. <laughs> what, so you look like an alcoholic, actually? That makes sense. Well, you did just say that I've been swilling wine. So, I mean, it makes sense. And my hair is very long. Uh, He's just, just a lot more... I just more don't sh- quite talk like Katniss. See, the difference with Hamish's hair is it's a lot thinner than your hair is. That's it. He doesn't have the volume. Anyway... The Hunger Games centers around this central battle royale and very quickly, as early as the end of this film, it's no longer about the battle royale and it's about a revolution. It's about rebellion. It's about being revolution. a mocking... It's about being a mocking jay, um, which is a type of bird. Which, for some reason, it's kind of unclear why the mocking jay is like a symbol of rebellion. I mean, maybe we find out in the film A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which comes out today, if you're listening to it on the day of release. It's out today. Peter Dinklage is in the film. And then he's going to be on the next episode of the show, except he's not because we don't know him personally. Why are you just putting your finger up? I had something to say. We're not in a classroom. You can just speak. I can just speak and cut you off. Lovely. But, I mean, um, you're not going to. <laughs> it's true. The strength of my but, conversation and discussion will roll over you like a steamroller, but you're welcome but to try. Maybe, this is a long shot, but maybe the mocking jay is a symbol of rebellion because they sort of, you know, it's the clue in the name, mocking jay, the mm. noise they make. And they but the noise they make is a repetition of what's come before it. Mm. Because they're the birds that she finds in ver- in the arena in the first movie she finds them. I they're mean, the could, birds that she uses to communicate with Rue. Could you imagine they just find a pigeon and the next few films are called The Hunger Games Pigeon Part 1 and Part 2? Ah, uh, yes. She's a pigeon. <laughs> 
And what else could she be? She could be a pelican. Oh, pelican. Pelican. Seagull. No, I know what it would be. I know it would be. Brace yourselves. The true, the true symbol of rebellion. Uh oh. Hunger Games, Emu Part One. Oh, I like that. I was gonna say we need to get this on my. There we go. We got a smooth high five. Um, I was honestly up until I said Emu, I was about to say Bin Chicken. <laughs> But then as I was thinking about it, I remembered the Great Emu Wars, um, which is a... Is that a thing? Yep. Let me bring it up for you. This podcast has gone off the rails. If you Google the Great Emu Wars, I think that's what they're called. You see a bunch of emus with guns fighting. It's an actual thing in Australian history. It's not quite as it sounds, but... What the hell's that? The Great Emu War was a nuisance wildlife management military operation undertaken in Australia over the later part of 1932 to address public concern over the number of emus said to be destroying cops, uh, crops in Western Australia. I figured it out. You know the best part about this great emu war? What? The emus won. See, I think this is actually World War Two, and World War Two was World War Three. Right. I, I mean, fair this, enough. I think this deserves a world war just because a pigeon won. Well, but it wasn't a pigeon. It was an emu. Oh, sorry. But anyway. That's I, World War Four. I was, I was literally up until the moment that I was about to, like, speak. I was about to say bin chicken. Is that because you like nobody in these films? Uh, no, I just thought it was going to be a funny local reference. But then I found it even funnier. Even more local reference. And then, then you're going to do Dave Hughes. No. He does the ad. The For Mount, what? The Mount Franklin ad where oh, he's a bin, bin chicken. chicken. Oh, yes. I understand Never what you're used saying. used to believe in reincarnation until I came back as a bin chicken. Gosh, this is so specific to our Australian viewers. <laughs> our American and various international audiences are going to be real confused. It's a comedian called Dave Hughes did an ad for Mount Franklin water. Which is a type of water. Anyway, we're not going to explain the advertising efforts of another company that don't even sponsor this episode. Not sponsored Mount by Franklin, not, sponsor us. Not sponsored by or its affiliates. Let's not do the beeping, please. Hell in post. Really? Yeah, it's really annoying. Well, now uh, you're just giving it away. Well, you know. Uh, so the the plot of the four initial Hunger Games films, which released... So the first Hunger Games film came out in 2012. The second one came out the year after in 2013. And then the third and fourth films, which are a part one, part two, because that was the trend in young adult fiction at the time, you know... Harry Potter did it. Twilight did it. Maybe Divergent did it. I'm a lot of sure other Maze bad Runner, films. Maze Runner definitely did it. Um, What's Truly that? a lot of other bad Spe- films. Like, God, all the bad films were doing one and two parts, weren't they? Well, and, and we'll get into it. I think that the, the two-parter finales really did not help a lot of these films. So, so a three-part Fast and Furious one's not going to help, is it? Uh, no, but nothing can help that series anymore. <laughs> we've we've Saw talked that about coming. that. Well, you brought it up. You know, we were nowhere near it, and you just kind of 
very much like Fast and Furious, drove us off a cliff <laughs> and now we're in free fall. Yeah, I'm but starting it's okay. to lose a bit of the spark for Fast and Furious. Oh, that's something exciting to talk about another time. Exciting. But for now, for now, other things. Uh, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2 came out a year apart in 2014, 2015. So really this whole series only really goes over a period of about four years, from 2012 to 2015. And considering the cultural impact that this had, it's pretty amazing that it only went on for four years, um, even though that four years should have only been three years. Because um, I guess we can talk in... Cooper, what's your kind of ranking of these films in terms of what you liked, what you didn't like? Like which films I would put in order? Yes. My favourite was Catching Fire. Okay. Uh... Probably followed up by Mockingjay 1. Really? Okay. Yeah. And then Hunger Games and then Mockingjay 2. See, I would probably go Hunger Games Catching Fire, the original Hunger Games. Part 1 and Part 2. No. Catching Fire... Yeah. The original Hunger Games, the first one. Yes, I know. And then part one and part two. Oh, you were finishing my thought for me. Yes, because right. I know this. No, you know nothing, Jon Snow. <laughs> See, that's the only character reference Cooper has for Jon Snow, is I constantly say to him when he says silly things, I say, you know nothing, Jon Snow. That's where I got it from. So you're really good at this. What can I say? I've inceptioned you. Uh, to know nothing about Game of Thrones. I need to do a better job of it. I think Catching Fire is definitely the strongest, although I think it has one of the weaker endings. Uh, I'd agree with you there. Um, But that's also because it directly dovetails into the next two. I think that Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2, being a Part 1 and Part 2, while I understand the natural cut point of it, of there's a, there's a bit of a natural uh, cliffhanger moment, I think it would have greatly benefited from being just one constant story because in part one you get really into the weeds. Actually, I'd probably say that part two... I'd probably say that part two is my favourite and only because only because i think that part 2 for me has some really great moments with president snow and i think president snow between him finnick odare and hamish abernathy they're my three favorite characters see here's the thing is in the first one you really had nothing of the president. I didn't really see much of him. I just saw him as a character. But in the I mean, he is a character. I know, but just like a... He's just in the background. Yeah. And you don't get a lot of him. In the second one, you really start to see his evil coming out properly because you see him arrive at Katniss's house and you see him threaten her and pretty much just bring out the villain in him 
But in the next two, well, in the next one, we don't see much of him. And then in the part two, he's dying. Well, not until the very end. We get some really good scenes in the lead up. I do like in part one, Mockingjay part one, he has the really good speech when he's on the TV right before they all get bombed where um, and they've clipped it for the new trailer for Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes because Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is all about President Snow when he's younger and it's why I'm very excited to see it and I think it is going to be one of my favourite films in the series he says something something and then he ends it with Miss Everdeen the things we love most that destroy us and just just the way that Donald Sutherland he's got that beautiful voice and that rich he does have a good voice doesn't he Gorgeous voice and what an actor to just watch on screen. Um, But, yeah, I think that Catching Fire as a Hunger Games movie is my favourite because it's got – it's the natural progression of that that kind of narrative. It's, you know, all of the – the hardened killers. It's all of these people who've done it before. My big issue with it is this kind of looming revolutionary plot because to me the weakest part of these films is Katniss being a figurehead for the revolution. All right, so we're going to go into this now, aren't we? (laughs) I think so. I have – I don't care about – the three main characters in these films pretty much at all. As Who's I the just third said, one is that? Gail. Yeah, I don't like him. No. I don't even remember Gail's last name. I at least remember the other Gail two. Gail Hemsworth. Gail Hemsworth. There we go. <laughs> but Katniss, I just feel Katniss has moments and I think that the only thing that the only thing to me that makes Katniss watchable is Jennifer Lawrence's performance. I think Jennifer Lawrence is a phenomenal actress and I think that she lifts that character to the point where I I would have an absolute conniption with that character just because she's so moody and yuck and hates people and yet everyone fawns over her. And is like, oh, my God, you're amazing. It's like, no. Like, a few people would think this about you. Like, okay, Sinner loves you. Fine. I love Sinner, so that's fine. Sinner, a.k.a. Lenny, Lenny Kravitz. He's the one that dies as she goes up into the... He's the one that designs all of her costumes. And dies as he yes. go, as she goes up. And she, in the second film, he dies. Uh, and... I, like I get individual people and people who meet her on like a on, on a personal basis, but there is nothing about watching those first two films that I look at her and I go, ah, yes, you are an inspirational leader of the people. But mm. to be fair, one, she may be a bit of a moody person and all that, but she does somewhat realise that. Oh, I think she's hyper aware of herself. And again, I think that 
that character in the hands of a lesser actress than Jennifer Lawrence, I would not even give that character the time of day. It is Jennifer Lawrence that sells that character to the point where I'm just like, I just don't really care about Katniss. I don't really care about her struggle until towards the end. And also the fact that she really doesn't want to be a figurehead in a way. Yeah, which only makes it worse to me why other characters are like, no, Katniss, you're a leader. I'm like, no, she's not because she has no desire to be. Like, it would be different if she had some innate ability to get through to people but didn't want to. She has no innate ability to communicate with people. Like, I don't know. Like, she has compassion, but, like, that's a pretty low bar to clear. There are other characters. Peter has compassion. Peter, arguably, okay. has too much okay. compassion. Okay, we're going to get on to Peter in a minute because I know you're wanting to let loose. <laughs> but for reference, we've tried no. to record this episode once before and I went on an insane rant about Peter that was unjustified and frankly unfair in retrospect, but I just unleashed. We're, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. But, uh, we haven't mentioned this in this episode, but did you know, well, you know, because I've told you about five times between all the episodes we've recorded. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Jennifer Lawrence is related to Jeremy Renner? There you go. What a fun fact. Yes, what a fun fact. Hunger trivia. Hunger trivia. We should do that. No. We're copying That's other a, podcasts. I was then. about to say it's from another podcast that I listened to and we're not going to copy the Weekly Planet that, Boys. Ah, you just gave them a shout out. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, other podcasters. Thank you, James and Meso. No. Stop it. We're allowed to shout out other podcasters. We got shouted out by another podcast. Uh, we're not allowed to talk about that yet. That's in the next episode. That'll be, you'll hear about that next week. Um, but Katniss, fine. Peter... Malak. No. no, we're going to talk about the good characters first. Let's. What? You want to jump around? We... We're talking about the main three. Why don't we talk about the main three and then we can talk about all of our favorites after? Uh oh. I'm just going to brace myself. I'm only going to give myself the next three minutes at most. If I had my phone, I'd put a stopwatch on. There's a little, t- there's a little timer clicking away right there. Okay, you can start in three. Two, one, go. Okay, so Peter Malark. I am in a mi- minority here. And you may have heard last episode of Filmic Feelings in, in our October wrap-up. I dragged... I don't think I dragged Josh Hutchison over the coals. But I didn't have a lot of praise about Five Nights at Freddy's generally. Or Josh Hutchison in particular. <laughs> and You dragged him over the coals and then punched him in the gut. Just to you can't it just off. punch somebody in the gut, but I I've done a lot of soul searching because I've done a lot of you know talk to people about these films and about Five Nights at Freddy's, and people <laughs> have genuinely been like to me, "What is your issue with Josh Hutchison? You seem to have a real issue." 
And so I've done some meditating, everybody. I've done some soul searching. <laughs> and I think I found the origin of my beef with Josh Hutchison. Because keep in mind, I do not care about him as a human being. I've <laughs> No, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean in a like he has no impact over my life generally. I only think about him when he's honest. What are you doing with your face? Why is that a bad thing to say? Continue, he's you're a person, running out of time. He's a person I don't know and I'm saying I don't really care about him. Continue. Josh, I'm sure you're a nice guy. You seem lovely in interviews. And that's the thing. I've watched interviews with him and I'm like, cool, this guy seems like a cool dude. Everything I watch him in on screen where he's playing a character something inside me snaps and I get really angry. Yeah, we can tell by the hand gestures you're doing, throwing your hands in the air. Ah! I'm not doing that. You did. No, I'm not. Continue. Careful, or my hand gestures in a minute will be all force choking. Tell us about the origin. (laughs) So the origin. I'm not up by the mic, but please do. The origin. I, I'd like the audience to catch their to cast their minds back TikTok. to 2007. Um, Cooper, you can't. You weren't born. I was a year off being born. Cooper was a year off being born. Meanwhile, I was in my infancy, really. And I watched a film that broke my heart. Yeah, he watched it from the old folks' home. I watched it from the old folks' home. And the movie was Bridge to Terabithia, where Josh Hutchison played Jesse Aarons. And yes, I've Googled this just so that I have all the details right. And Jesse Aarons uh, meets Leslie Burke, who comes from the city, and together they create a land of magical beings together. Uh, And at some point during their games of make-believe, Josh Hutchison has a whole kind of issue and uh, stops talking to Leslie and she goes off to try and go to their magical world together on her own and she falls off the bridge and dies. And I have never forgiven Josh Hutchison as a person for that. Every character I see of him in a film, that's in the back of my mind. So he didn't even push her off the bridge. He didn't push her. He pushed her emotionally. Exactly. He he pushed her away emotionally and because of that she made she made a bad decision. Did she do that like on purpose or did No, she, she just... fell. Oh. And then, you know He put a, he put a banana peel on it Mario Kart style. Exactly. And I've never forgiven him for his ignorance and his negligence, frankly. So, Josh, if you'd like to be a guest on this podcast. Josh, Josh, I promise if you were here in person, I'd be a lot nicer to you. Um, But, yeah, I really had to do some soul searching and I was going back through his filmography going, what else have I seen him in? And I was like, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, I thought I quite liked him in that. I haven't watched it in years, though. And then that one came up and I went, oh. Yeah, you haven't watched him since just before you went into the old folks' home. Right, how rude of you. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm not going to talk about Peter because I will just one, I'll one, just get angry and it's... 
one thing is the spelling of the names in this film are awful. Yeah. Peter. The Suzanne Collins really just took took a name and just went, okay. How to make it weird. How do I spell this weirdly? Um, how do I make it look ha- like we're on an not, alien channel? Not He's not Hamish. He's Hamish. It's not Gale. It's Gale. And you may mm. think that they didn't sound different. They did. They were different. It's, it's not Gale. Is in is Gale actually like some sort of vegetable? No. Is that something else? I think you're thinking about something else. <laughs> is Gale some type of food, or is that something I think, said differently? I think uh, that's I think something, that's said, something differently. said differently. <laughs> Speaking of Gale, uh, let's talk about a very attractive, but just a bad bloke. I don't like him at all. I'm like I'm like Peter with you. Oh no. Yes. Yeah, Gale's just kind of. Just kind of between movies becomes like a spec ops guy. And I'm like, when did this happen? You were a he miner. Go, he goes from being a coal miner down there with his beautiful hair and a hammer. Exactly. He walks up to Katniss at one point and he's leaving the mines. And around him, other men are like covered in soot and they're like shaven heads and stuff. And he walks out with just this perfectly coiffed head and it's just like smolder on his face. And he's like, Katniss. And she's like, oh, Gail. Um, and I'm just like, nah, bro, you, you have not been mining for coal. You have and been <laughs> looking at yourself in, you in have, a small puddle. You have been putting hair product in. Yeah. He left the mine. And the first thing he did was he put his hair product in. Exactly. Um, got a got a, a a Kleenex and wiped some of the soot off his face. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he's a special ops guy just with a gun. Not even with a gun. He has a crossbow yeah, for no reason. He's not Katniss. Yeah, like when they go out hunting, I don't think he uses the bow. Nope. He's just kind of there with her. And he's then just he's just using a crossbow. He's over with his beautiful hair. Exactly. Um, but I think the first Hunger Games, um, children murdering one another, it's always interesting, I guess. It's an interesting move, I must say. And I think that it's the kind of, I mean, it's a pretty perfect Battle Royale film. It sets the stakes. The problem with it, though, is it's slow. It takes a long time to get them into the arena, um, just because there's so much like technical stuff going on and yeah it's that first one's a bit slow then in catching fire we get the kind of all-star round but we get a lot of different things in catching fire like the majority of the film is them on this like publicity tour which just feels like a bad idea because they're yeah. already kind of inciting insurrection and they're just kind of sending them around to all these places where they're inciting more insurrection. Yes, yeah, so, and it really does take a long time for the games to come up because in the first one, that film was two and a half hours. Something like that. The Hunger Games didn't start until about an hour and a half. I don't think it was a full hour and a half, but it was at least an hour. No, it was an hour and a half because it was only an hour of Hunger Games. Oh, right. Yeah, and all of the like, 
I think the one where it's the most kind of egregious, I mean, Mockingjay part one isn't even about any kind of Hunger Games. And then part two, they kind of try and make it into like a, it's the Hunger Games, but in the capital. And I'm like, this is the 75th Hunger Games. These, these are a lot of traps to be in a place where civilians are meant to be walking around in your day to day. Like where is, where's all this tar that they pour into that small courtyard like where is that stored because you'd think like it shouldn't you be storing people's people's water supply like what's going on here it comes from the sewage waste anyway uh catching fire finnegodare finnegodare is one of he's one of the best characters in these films and he dies and he dies and it's not fair and i didn't like it and do you know so if I'm remembering this right, he starts getting eaten by the... By the mutts and then Katniss blows him up. Does she actually? I can't remember. I think so. I she fires an arrow near him and I it all blows up. Because Katniss, uh, Finnick wanted her to just kill him so he's not sitting there for 15 hours just like... Being slowly eaten alive. Is this over yet? Can I just be eaten quickly? Yeah, and then you have Hamish who, like, after, by the time we get to catching the end of Catching Fire, Hamish just kind of disappears for the rest of the series. He's in it for a bit, but he's now well, for sober. The first, for the first half of Mockingjay Part 1, he's away because they're sobering him up. <laughs> and yeah. then he comes back. And he's even And worse. he occasionally does something. But, like, my big thing with Hamish, Hamish was a survivor like Hamish was in the Hunger Games Hamish was a killer and they never really have him engage in combat training or anything interesting yeah just don't take him away just let him drink and just make him a good character in it yeah but you know you get that and I mean this this film series is star-studded with people and they're all sort of young stars at the time. Like this yeah. is what Jennifer Lawrence broke out with, isn't it? Uh, it's sort of one like of her breakout roles, break. yes. Yeah, because I mean, you've got Jennifer Lawrence, Josh Hutchison. Sorry, Josh. Liam Hemsworth. Oh my God, he looks even better there. Elizabeth Bant. Yeah, the facial hair does wonders for him. This is Liam Hemsworth we're looking at. Elizabeth Banks. Woody Harrelson, oh, Stanley Tucci, who we have not even spoken about we as of yet. We must speak about him. We love him. Stanley Tucci, phenomenal. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. He is an absolute delight. It's and honestly, you know. In a similar fashion to Hamish, the fact that Caesar Flickerman slowly fades out of this story as it goes along is a tragedy. Uh, but the thing about, um, oh God, I've forgotten his name. How can I? About yeah, Stanley, Stanley Tucci. Right. Is that I think the only time I've seen him before this was Citadel, where he was a oh serious Oh my goodness. That's, is that the like only him. one you've seen him in? Uh, from memory, yes. Oh my gosh. I've probably seen him somewhere else. I know we need to watch remember. The Devil Wears Prada. But you need an induction into that because Stanley weird. Tucci 
is one of my favourite actors working. He is married to Emily Blunt's sister, which means that he is brother-in-law to John Krasinski and to Emily Blunt. He is part of a Hollywood dynasty. Yeah, that's very hard to follow. But the only time I've seen him is when he's like that. And then all of a sudden I see this man with like bright pink hair, the brightest white teeth I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm. And I'm like... Is that Stanley Tucci? Is that Stanley Tucci? All right, bruv, is that Stanley Tucci? So, yes, we've got Stanley Tucci. We've got Donald Sutherland as President Snow. Amazing. Willow Shields as Primrose. Prim's a really good character. Prim is a really good character. And how dare they kill her at the end of the th- at the end of the line? Yes, how dare they? Uh, Lenny Kravitz as Sinner. Fantastic. Philip How Seymour dare they Hoff- kill him? Exactly. Philip Seymour Hoffman as Plutarch. R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Fantastic in this. Fantastic in I Mission Impossible 3. Uh, the President Coin. Yeah, Julianne Moore. What has she done? A lot. Uh, you would recognise her from Kingsman 2. The Golden oh, Circle. Yeah. She's the bad guy in the Golden yeah, Circle. That- that's where I remember. Uh, we've got Paula Mouskam as Katniss's mom, Amanda Stenberg, which is a name I always get wrong. Oh my god, Rue. I've just seen Finnick. Yeah, there's Finnick. Look at him. Oh, we'll my get to him god. in a second. We got Jeffrey Wright, who we all know. He's a fan favorite around here from both James Bond and from Batman, and also was from he Marvel in stuff. Oh, he yeah. was Commissioner Gordon. In the new Batman. Yes. Yes. I've forgotten about that. How dare you. Well, I didn't like it. Sam Claffin as Finnick O'Dare, who, yes, beard works on him. Beard works on everybody in this film, apparently. Yeah, Jennifer Lawrence with a beard. Yes. Yes, perfect. Looking great. Uh, We've got Mahershala Ali as Boggs. We've got Alexander Ludwig as Kato, who you might not know, but he's very popular, I believe... Vikings. I, rec- I recognise him. Yes, Vikings and Race to Witch Mountain. More um, classic movies. Levin Rambin as Glimmer. Isabel Furman as Clove. Jack Quaid as Marvel, who, and, you know, fans of the boys will recognise Jack Quaid. Wes Bentley as Seneca Crane. Toby Jones as Claudius. Uh, Toby Dale Jones? O- yeah. I recognise him as well. <laughs> Toby Jones, also in everything. You recognize him from Jurassic World Dominion. There we go. Oh, no, not Dominion. Fallen Kingdom, that one. He was They're the, too hard to follow. He was the auctioneer. Uh, Natalie Dormer as Cressida. We've got Gwendolyn Christie appears randomly in one of the later ones, uh, who you wouldn't know, but is from Game of Thrones. I do know Gwendolyn Christie, thank you very much. As you should. Put some respect on what, Gwendolyn's name. What What was she in last year, Bailey? What was she in last year? Oh! I mean, she was in Sandman, but you don't know about that. No. What was she in? About this time last year. There's a season two coming up. But, but that's also the Sandman. Oh, she was in Wednesday. Of course yes! she was. We got him. Whoops. <laughs> uh oh. Mom, I'm sorry. Please You're don't kick me out of the house. To get 
so destroyed. It's fine. I'll be okay. I'll survive. I promise. <laughs> Not uh, in the comments section. And please don't come to the comments. <laughs> oh. um, we've got uh, Wes Chatnam as Castor, Robert Kepner as Antonius, and where is where's our where's our boy? Who? always forget his name. I'm so oh, sorry. Oh, Froggy. Eldon Henson. Froggy. Not Froggy. Foggy. It's froggy. written right there. It's Froggy. You're Froggy. I'm not Froggy. Anyway, uh, that's the cast of The Hunger Games. Cooper, what else have we got to say about The Hunger Games? Are you excited for Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes? Well, I don't really know much about Ballads of songbirds and snakes. But it's you've a bit watched of a the trailer. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't make sense to me. Well, you don't make sense. So for those yeah, of you I watching... Mean, honestly, nobody can argue with that point. For those of you watching who may have watched all the Hunger Games but don't know what a Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, the upcoming entry into the universe is going to be, it is set during the 10th annual Hunger Games for reference the first... Hunger Games that we see depicted in the first film is the 74th. So it takes place 64 years before that first Hunger Games with Katniss. It focuses on a young Coriolanus Snow who is uh, basically like a games master. He's from an age where Katniss and Peter had uh, Haymitch as their mentor and that was because Haymitch was a former contestant in the Hunger Games but... At this stage, the 10th annual Hunger Games, not every district has a former winner who they can pull from to be their um, their mentor. So Coriolanus is a game master who becomes a mentor to District 12. The District 12 girl uh, of the 10th annual Hunger Games is Lucy Gray Baird, uh, who is a played by... So Coriolanus in this movie is played by Tom Blythe. And then Lucy Graybeard is played by Rachel Zegler. Really? Tom Glythe? Tom Blythe. That's his name. Yeah. Not Tom Gleisner. Different person. Oh, sorry. I thought it was Tom Gleisner. Oh, my apologies. Your apologies. My apologies. Uh, I thought this was a 60-year-old man playing this role. How rude. Now we're not going to be able to get Tom on this show. You've insulted him. He is literally 60 years old, though. Yes, but you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to put him on on blast. At least I'm not Sam Pang calling him ancient. Sam, you've also been called out. Step up. Uh, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So, yeah, it takes place like roughly 65 years before the Hunger Games series and... It's kind of early in the origin of the games. The creator of the games, played by Peter Dinklage, is still alive. Um, they're still kind of innovating different things. Not all the technology's there yet. It's going to be very interesting to see. <laughs> You're right there, buddy. It's going to be interesting to see what is depicted in this period of time in the games. And I dare say, now I've heard some mixed things. I've heard some people say that it's a little bland. But I figure it can still probably beat the Mockingjay films for me. I just think that they shouldn't have split them. I really, and, and I have the same belief about Harry Potter. And if I cared about Twilight, I'd say the same thing about Twilight. I think all of these movies, thank you. 
I think there's very few films that you really need to split them like that. Yeah. Whereas nowadays you do a TV series, which is what Percy Jackson's doing. Percy uh, Jackson's doing. Don't. Sigh. You will be watching it with me and you will be excited. No. Yes, you will. Just like I won't be watching the Doctor Who Christmas special. Okay, that's fine because that's 50 years. I'm not catching you up on 60 years worth of Doctor Who. But you will be watching Percy Jackson with me, and that is no. not up for discussion. No, sorry. I will tie you to a chair. <laughs> and sorry. it's Christmas time, so it will be a festive chair and festive wrapping paper <laughs> that is keeping you bound to it. Just my mouth taped up with tinsel foil. Exactly. That's actually quite a happy thought. Exactly. Just pierce my ears with baubles. Okay, now now it's becoming a whole thing and I'm confused. (laughs) Wrap me in Christmas lights. Now you're just becoming a Christmas tree. (laughs) Which I guess I'm fine with because the tinsel will keep it quiet. (laughs) Oh, shut up. But what I was going to say is, would you be fine if it was Hunger Games Emu Part 1 and Part 2? Ooh, the Hunger Games, the Emu Wars... Mm. Part one and part two. Would you be fine then if they split it? <sighs> okay, let me pitch my Hunger Games Emu Wars special. Uh oh. So you An have emu flies down. You have two representatives from each of the states in Australia, and two from New Zealand. Just because, why not? <laughs> you know, um, two from the North Island, two from the South we Island. We don't. We need to make up numbers. We don't want to be. We don't want to exclude we want our, people. Exactly. We want, we want our we New want Zealand neighbours to, to join with us. Because so, we feel bad for them, so, you know, we just need to... So we've got Queensland, New South Wales, Melbourne, the ACT... Sorry, not Melbourne, Victoria, the ACT, Tasmania, Northern Territory, South Australia, Western Australia. So that's eight. And then we go North, South Island. So then we have two remaining slots, two districts left. One of the districts is, of course, the emus. The other district, let's go to the other side of the coat of arms, and it's the kangaroos. Who wins? Oh, probably kangaroo. Mm. Is the kangaroo at a disadvantage because it's like district 12 or 13? No, the kangaroo and the emu are district 1 and 2. Oh, perfect. District so 12 is, is, of course, New Tasmania. Oh, no, it's oh, Tasmania. Oh, sorry. That's District sorry, 11. Sorry to Sid and Justin and all my friends in Tasmania, but you are District 12. You fell um, off of Australia many years Queensland ago. Queensland is District 4 because that's the watery one where Finn, where Finnick O'Dare is from and that's definitely like a... You just want to be Finnick O'Dare, don't you? No, it's more that it's a surface paradise type vibe and it's all the surfer <laughs> dudes and that's definitely a Queensland thing. Um, Who's District 3? I don't even know what happens in District 3. Death. Death. Uh, well, then probably death. Northern Territory. New Zealand. No, oh. Northern Territory, if you're thinking death. Probably, actually. Yeah. Sorry and to then, all, our, all of our friends and then in the Northern Territory. District 13, which is a reveal that we get um, in the first Mockingjay part, we get a reveal that District 13, you know who District 13 is, Cooper? Brace. What do you mean? I've gotten myself stuck on a chair. Oh, right. You continue. 
Um, District 13 is, of course, and we talked about them earlier in the show, it's the bin chickens. They've been surviving at the fringes of society and they will wage war with their nuclear arsenal. Go bin chickens! For reference uh, to people internationally, bin chickens are ibis and here in this country they are pests and we call them bin chickens because the most common place you find them is sitting on the edge of a bin, sticking their curved beak into bags of trash and eating from that trash. And then sitting next to it, you'll see Bailey eels. What, next to the trash? Yeah, or next to the bin chicken. What am I doing there? Being a bin chicken. Being a bin chicken? Yes, you're being a bin chicken. Am I studying for some sort of role? Maybe. Am I trying to be the next Dave Hughes and I'm yes, trying to get trying on to that Mount Franklin ad? Oh, sorry. We have to we have to get rid of that. Cut, cut. Well, it's okay. While I'm doing that at the bin, you can look over and see Cooper in the <laughs> car park trying to commit insurance fraud by jumping in front of other people's moving vehicles. No, no I'm not in doing insurance fraud like that. I'm trying to crash into them and say it's their fault. Right, okay. Bit different. Different kind of insurance fraud. Exactly. Except they definitely know that you were trying to cat- crash into them because you're not a very good driver. <laughs> you don't know. I've never driven. I'm pretty sure. I'm I think that in a sure. year when you're allowed to drive, I will be proven correct. All right. You, me, track day. Showdown. No, that's not the kind of track. Showdown. <laughs> not a track day. You, me, a car park. That's basically you, me, a track. Hold you, out your hand. I'm not holding out my hand. It's not you, holding, it's holding. Well, I'm not holding out my hand because I don't want wrinkles. <laughs> hold out I your hand. I wish to be a hand model. I don't want wrinkles. <laughs> I don't want to hold out my hand. It's hold okay. out I've your hand. closed up my, my, my hand so that he can't get at them. Cooper, do you have any last thoughts on The Hunger Games before we leave our lovely audience with whatever the hell this show has been? Uh, chaos. Um, chaos is a ladder. Uh-huh. Another reference you don't understand because you didn't watch Game of Thrones. Sorry, Josh. Yeah, sorry, Josh. I feel like, I mean, I would say sorry to Liam, no. but I think he knows that Gail just kind of is. Eh. Mm. And I mean, Jennifer, like, I said that Jennifer was the one thing that made Katniss palatable. So, I mean, I guess that's nice. Just, yeah. So, yeah, sorry, Josh. So, sorry. Sorry to the whole sorry, cast Sorry, Josh, but, you know, you should have gone with Leslie in the bridge to Terabithia, and I still don't forgive you! <laughs> Uh-oh, he's going a bit red. Do you, do you okay. need some water? I've calmed down. Uh, uh, really? I don't want some Just... water. It's going to remind me about Leslie drowning <laughs> in that in that river. Just, uh, yeah. Just five seconds ago. Fine, I'm over it. It's okay. I, I got it out of my system. It happened. We're going to move on. She fell off the bridge. No! <laughs> I'm living through it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Cooper, is, is, is sorry, Josh Hutchison, the only thing we have to say to wrap up our thoughts on The Hunger Games? Uh, sorry to the whole cast of this film. For all the Why insults. Why are we apologising to all of them? We said nice things about the rest of them. It was only Josh Hutchison and, I mean, Gail, but who cares about Gail? <laughs> oh. Yeah, Liam. I Hey, you're, you're calling out Liam. I'm calling out Gail. 
Liam, Liam. does fantastic OPSM ads, I've and never I will not. That. I will not go for him. You'll have to show me those. Okay, that's the I only will. thing I've ever seen Liam in. Really? I didn't even know that was Liam until you told me. There you go. Learn something new every day. All right, lovely listeners. Well, let us know your thoughts on the Hunger Games series. And if you have, it was good. There you go. Cooper thought it was good. I thought it was fine. It was meh. You know, if, if you like, if you end up watching A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and you haven't watched the other films, maybe go watch them. What if you you've watched all of, of them, ballads and, and songbirds and snakes. That's one question I have. I think it's going to be pretty good. I like the look of it. I like the people involved. I like Viola Davis. She's fantastic. Is she in this? Yeah. Oh, she's the one with the crazy eye. I've got to say, so I've seen her in Air. Yes, she is incredible. She she's is great. In, she is an incredible actor, and I believe me if I'm wrong. Michael Jordan's Believe mom. you if you're wrong, but I don't want to. I don't want to believe you My, if you're doing something up. wrong. Michael Jordan's mother picked her specifically. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? I mean, it makes sense. Viola Davis is a powerhouse. Viola, Viola, however you wish for us to pronounce your name. Please come on our show. Bring Peter Dinklage with you. Bring Rachel Zegler. Bring Tom <laughs> Blythe. Just a, a whole... Bring Josh Ballad Hutchinson. Song, bring Josh Hutchinson with you. We'll have we'll have a glass of wine together. I'll get I'll I'll it'll be like therapy. <laughs> I'll say to Josh, why did you leave Leslie behind? And he'll say, It was a movie. I was just doing what the script told me to do. And I'll say, That's not good enough, Josh. <laughs> it's not okay what you did. And I need you to admit it. Anna Sophia Rob is here. And she's not happy, mostly because she's not being paid for her time. But, you know, we're, we've not got a lot of financial resources here at Speak Away, bruv, to pay for our guests. We offer a really great meal if you are interested in joining us. For our next yes, episode. We can touch on that in our next episode. Which will be coming out next week and uh, does not currently have a theme. I've been cooking up some stuff oh cooper's I've been, been cooking Coop- up some spot stuff in my wizard's pot oh there's well get ready next week everybody yes. for a wizard's pot and now i'm going to go get accused of being a witch and being hung there we go you no, you won't be hung Hitches, witches weren't hung they were burned at the stake okay so i'm gonna go get burnt it's bonfire night everybody Which is ironic. i know catching it was catching fire catching fire I know Bonfire Night was last week, but, you know, we'll make it work. Was it? Yeah, 5th of November. Ah. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I see no reason the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. This episode's gone a bit interesting. Well, you know, what can you do? That's All right. way, bruv, why? Uh, next week we've got another episode of the main show, everybody, and then the week after that will, of course, be another episode of Filmic Feelings, and it's going to be the end of November, so it will be our end of November wrap-up. Where I'm sure we will be talking about the Hunger Games. Your ballad of songbirds and snakes. You've got to finish it off. I didn't know how to finish it off in a song. Right, okay. Can you do that? The Hunger Games ballad of songbirds and snakes on fire. 
It no, doesn't really doesn't work. work. What we're referencing, for those of you who don't know, is a video that Cooper still hasn't watched, but it's Tabuscus' original Honest Trailer. F- uh, not Honest Trailer. No, did he call them Honest Trailers? Maybe he did. Anyway, his trailer, literal trailer, that's what he called it. His literal trailer for Hunger Games Catching Fire, which at the end he goes, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, Mocking Jay on Sauron's Eye. See, I'm just now singing it because I heard you singing it and I thought it was cool. Like, it's okay. I'll, games I'll induct fire. him into the, into the reference in a moment. But until then, everybody, farewell. See you next time. See ya. Yeah. 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 Sorry, Josh, but you should have done better.